turn to Acts 9.31. Acts 9.31. Bring you greetings in the name of Jesus, the one of whom it was said in Matthew 16.18, I will build my church. And uh, I believe without a shadow of a doubt, if uh, he will build his church and have the right ingredients, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we have that in our heart and believe that and live that. I just want to bring you greetings from the faith congregation. And uh, Joyce and I count it a privilege to be with you. And know a number of you and a lot of number I don't, but uh, I have a lot of appreciation for your work here and a light here that uh, God placed here very special. The uh, Acts account, uh, 931, we'd like to look at five ingredients uh, this morning for uh, a strong church. And those five ingredients is Acts 931. And the churches had rest throughout all Judea, and the Galilee and Samaria, and Samaria, walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost, and were multiplied. First of all, that of rest. And uh, the rest here is, uh, has a connotation of peace. Then of edifying. And then the fear of the Lord, the reverence to God. And then the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And then it will multiply. I have uh, a lot of appreciation and joy of children and I uh, always have uh, counted a privilege to work with children and uh, like to just do a little children's time this morning. If the uh, children would uh, come forward and uh, maybe on the front uh, bench here, then on the floor, wherever seating. So children, come on front. Let's uh, have our little time. Uh, Mom and Dad, you're just going to have to sit and listen for a little bit while we do this. When I saw uh, Sunday school being dismissed, I was suspicious that I'm going to feel right at home. Uh, I'm going to have a lot of children, so just feel right in here and feel, sit on the floor and we'll... When um, uh, the Calicola uh, uh, Ministerium, our uh, district air in that area, the churches get together, uh, I'm known as the uh, pastor at uh, the church there that has a lot of children. And uh, this is a sad story, children, but there's a lot of churches around us, and they don't have little children like this, and they don't have youth. And uh, but we get earmarked in classes, uh, the church that has children is such a privilege and such a blessing. And I just want to strengthen you and encourage you. I have a few questions uh, here this morning. We're going to do two-part story to this morning, and this evening we will too, okay? Um, just help me out a little bit. In uh, the book of Daniel, Daniel had three friends. Uh, if you know the answer, raise your hand. His three friends' names were? Daniel had three friends, and his name was? Very good. Good job. And uh, just say it right out. Don't, don't raise your hand. Just say it. 
Who is the king? Who was that? Who had that? Well, you're going to have to share. Can <laughs> I share with your friend there? We can't have two. We have to share. All right. And uh, then Nebuchadnezzar uh, called them to do what when the music stopped? That's correct, yeah, that's very good. All right, when I was uh, four years old, I'm a little bit of the older group. I, I was born in the mid-1900s, uh, 1950. And uh, when I was four years old, on October 15th in 1954, that was my birthday in 1950, uh, 50, 54, and I was four years old, and I was, uh, uh, something really special happened that day that I will never forget. And uh, what was uh, special about that day, well, it was uh, my birthday, but we didn't make a big deal about it, my birthday, but it was special. But one thing that happened that day, it was really windy, and uh, it was so windy, and uh, it just, the wind just blew all day, and I remember being in the barn, and we went to uh, silo, the roof rattled, and the windows rattled, and it was just real windy, and it was almost a little bit scary. And uh, then my sister came home from work. She had been working. She came home, and she told us that when she was driving, she could kind of feel the, the car blow, and she could feel that, and it was really getting windy. And uh, so this just got windier, and uh, there was, uh, oh, yes, we knew about, there was going to be a hurricane, and hurricane was hazel, and hurricane hazel was... Uh, supposed to be pretty bad, and so we were kind of knew about that, and uh, it's got evening time, and we were all together at the house, except my brother Carl and my dad, they were out in the barn yet, and we didn't know for sure how things were going, but it just got so windy, it got scary, and I still remember, I was sitting on the sofa beside my sister, and one on each side, and it felt pretty good there, and felt a little more comfortable, and all of a sudden, the lights went out, and she, my sister screamed, and it crashed, and you know what? Why don't you come back tonight, and we'll have the story tonight, what happened after the crash, okay? You may go back to your pound. Well, listen, why don't we have prayer yet, okay? <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the many blessings you give to us. We thank you for the blessing of children. We thank you that uh, you're the one that is a provider for all things, and the protection in the storm as well. So God, we just commend uh, these children to you, and uh, that they will grow up to be a blessing to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I want to know now what happened. Be patient. I hope, children, you all come back tonight. Uh, the first uh, area that we want to look at is uh, this morning is that of rest. And uh, the uh, Greek rendering for that is peace. And uh, the word peace is one that we hear on every hand and it's around us. And we know how peace comes. Peace comes by accepting Jesus. Uh, with our uh, background 
a little bit sometimes we can be a little careless and sometimes are not careful enough. Uh, we uh, settle down and then things are all right. And we look forward to settle, get a little, settle down. And uh, that's not, yes, it's okay, but you do that after you settle up. You settle up, then you will settle down. But just to settle down is not all right. We've got to settle up, and that is find our way to the cross and find, our, find repentance. And it was uh, shared here earlier, uh, his turning the opposite way. We find ourselves uh, just uh, in repentance and finding peace just by settling down. We're going to be traveling the same way as all the rest, just behind uh, far enough that it seems okay. But it's not okay because we'll get to that bad place after a while. We've got to settle up, and that is make the change and repent and turn the other way, as was described so beautiful here a bit ago. Um, You've got to come to Jesus, and Jesus is the one that is, uh, takes us by the hand and leads us in a way of peace. And uh, the peace is that of uh, quietness and the stillness. And we refer to that as in our heart. Uh, Hebrews uh, 12, uh, 14 says, peace with all men. And uh, I think one of the things we uh, use a lot of times in marriage is a triangle. And we just point out that God is up here on the triangle and a man and husband and wife. And the closer we get to God, the closer we are to each other. And that's true in the brotherhood. The more peace we have with God, and the closer we get to God, the more better relationship we have. It is also true that we wander away. We find ourselves not being as peace with each other, peace with God, and the intermingling uh, uh, dwindles. Uh, the uh, beauty of that is the peace, first of all, that we have with God. And then Hebrews 12, 14 says, peace with all men. And I like to talk about that just a little bit, peace. Peace is a one that's beautiful. And do we really, really have peace? Can anyone, no matter who I meet, I can just be glad to meet and glad to, to greet and say greetings. And it's not that uh, roll our eyes for who we might meet. If we have peace with God, we will see that we have peace with our fellow man. Peace and unity in the body of Christ is beautiful. When I was a young man growing up, my dad was ordained before I was born. So I remember dad being a preacher. We were in the Weaverland Conference, and I still remember well, my dad would often have a practice. He'd get up to preach. And I could still see this standing there, peace be unto this house. And I thought as a boy, I thought it was a nice filler, probably something to proceed with. As I have matured and realized the beauty and the power and the magnitude of that peace via this house. Or what if it weren't? What if it's not? We have a lot of homework to do. Or the flip side of it is just because of that proclamation. And Jesus made that peace be here. Peace be here. And it's been a year of time in the 50s and 60s and growing up days that peace was handled so loosely and love was handled so loosely that we almost backed away from it as kind of, but it wasn't the peace of God. It was the human care and level only. 
Isaiah 57. There's a few verses I'd like to read there. Isaiah 57, 15. For thus said the high and lofty one, the inhabitants, that inhabitants of eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and the holy place, and with him also that is of a contrite and an humble spirit, to receive the spirit of the humble and to the receive, revive the heart of the contrite one. For I will not contend forever, neither will I always. For the spirit shall fail before me and the soul which I have made. For the iniquity of this covenant which I have wrought and smote him, I hid me and was wroth, and he had his way forward in the way of his heart. I have seen his way and will heal him, and I will lead him also and restore the comfort unto him and to his mourners. This morning we talked a little bit in our class, a fair amount about, and unraveled it nicely, the, re, the whole area of humbleness. And God is saying the humbleness and the contrite heart, he will give peace. But then he also goes on in verse 20, But the wicked are like the troubled sea, when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up the mire and the dirt. There is no rest, saith the God, to the wicked. That's a tremendous proclamation that's made, and our society is living it today. There is no peace, there's no rest and for the wicked, for the ungodly. And so therefore it makes us so much more aggressive to, in my mind as I reflect that, is that how we are going to be the opposite and we're gonna find peace. And because of that, we ought to turn heads because people notice there's a sense of peace there. Wherever, there's many places that we meet up the public and we are a people that are at peace. We are a people that are loving people. And there's so many opportunities to this, of us to live that characteristics. When, uh, it's been years ago, I believe, I, let me go this way, if we, there's not peace, God's heart is not feeling good about things. But when there's peace, there's so much joy. It's been years ago, I had a business dealing with an individual, an older couple, and they uh, were giving their responsibilities to a son, a power of attorney. And so we were trying to negotiate what we needed to do. And uh, things were going pretty well, I thought. But one day I got a letter from this power of attorney and he said, Mom and Dad are getting this letter just like you are. And I am no longer serving as power of attorney. I let the other siblings take care of their troubles. And I, I went out for those, that older couple. They're thinking of the unrest that was there. And we were trying to negotiate. And it didn't work out all that bad for what we were working with. But the bottom line was the pain that I felt for the older couple the children are unrest. That's God. 
God's heart is looking for us to be at peace and love each other, no rest. There's a pleasant, more, no, no more pleasant place to be than peace. Do we know, maybe your children aren't, yeah, I think they're probably normal. They scrabble sometimes, and it doesn't give us the biggest peace. We wait for it to come peace again, and we call for peace, and we look for that to be part of, uh, of the lifestyle. The, uh, another scripture that I uh, thought I had here, Isaiah 26, I'll just turn to that. Isaiah 26, 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed in thee, because he trusts in thee. Therein lies the only solution in trusting in God. If we look around and we realize all the storms around us are in such unrest, and God promises that he will keep us in perfect peace. The second one I'd like to look at is that of Edify. And this was a setting of after Saul was converted, was now a champion with the church. Uh, it was now Paul, and uh, I just uh, think this would do well. Uh, yesterday uh, morning we had uh, spring assembly, and a young man that had devotions uh, called us to that of Sometimes the weight of the past weighs in on us, but we can release that and get rid of that and then have uh, joy and, and uh, you know, the wonders of having a good relationship. And uh, I think about that. When we have that, then we find ourselves in a place where we enjoy edifying. And uh, we uh, think of building up one another. I have... Uh, just a real conviction of this a number of years ago that a call in my life is just to be a person that edifies and builds up and encourages one another. Uh, the message of building up is in uh, uh, Ephesians has a, a lot to tell us about, about that. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 reminds us that let no corrupt communication Proceed out of your mouth, but that it, which is good, that it may minister and edify and minister grace to the hearer. Now I want to ask why I think we said, I'd like for us to, while we're looking at these areas this morning, I'd like for us to stay at home and think about this heart, not, well, I hope he's listening, uh, because, and let's stay at home and, and, and stay with this heart and uh, let this heart be touched and that message of edifying is brought up a number of times here uh, in Ephesians 4, uh, 12, for the perfecting of the saints, or the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. When you think about edifying, uh, you think about uh, maybe reflect back a little bit. How have you been doing? And uh, what have you uh, done to... Be be a person that edifies. Um, here in Ephesians, uh, it refers to him putting off the old man and then putting on the new man. And when we put on the new man, we made that turn that we talked about just a bit ago. And now our person that is going to be an encourager and be the one that is edifying and encouraging one another. 
uh, the setting of fellowship, and that is the world knows nothing about. Every, it seems everywhere you turn, the storm clouds are raging against each other. And uh, I, people, be careful. Be careful. It rubs off on us if we are not alert. And um, we can let these things behind and uh, go as a new man, as a brother was saying yesterday morning, as a new man, be a person that is a, a builder up and an edify and find peace with God. Uh, the joys and sorrows that we share one with another. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.18, comfort one another with these thoughts. And comfort one another with these thoughts is that referring to the second coming, Christ. And when we look at some of the storms around us, we think, Lord, come quickly, come. And we can encourage one another with those thoughts. Um, I'd like to reflect, uh, to be able to edify, we need to be a person that subordinates under God and under leadership, whatever the order is, wherever we find ourselves. And we subordinate ourselves under that leadership, we will find a place where we can enjoy encouraging one another and edifying. Rejoice with others that have uh, been blessed. Uh, sometimes we uh, don't do as well on this one. Uh, and the reason we don't do so well on this one is we are self-centered. We think about, oh, if I would have had that ride. Uh, it would have been more of interest. But they had it and I didn't. Poor me. So be a person that rejoices. Um, there's just something that uh, I saw recently happening. Uh, when someone buys a property, uh, yeah, you know, do you know what he paid for that? He's got to be crazy. And, and we do those kinds of things. And already this person is nervous because of what he did. And I just felt really compelled to a few occasions call that person up and tell him just a really thankful what I heard, I heard that he got a property and, and was able to do this and uh, make it a point just to do that. Not so happened I happen to be here and I want to just be a person that encourages it. And that's just an everyday thing. But at the same time, can you imagine that person that did that purchase and kind of nervous and kind of wringing his hands a little bit, wondering if he did the right thing? And at the same time, he needs somebody to come alongside and encourage him and bless him. It's also true that in hard times we need to edify one another. I, uh, I think God supplied Joyce and I with sufficient hard times, but the beauty and the wonder of people being around. It was back in 1990, many years ago, but those deeds and people and faces I'll never forget. We were uh, involved in an accident at fault death. It's a setting you don't know which way to turn. You don't know what it's like to have all the wind out of your sails. It's that time. And people that come alongside, little deeds, big deeds, it was just that of putting your arm around us and holding our hands for a time like that. Never invite a setting like that again, but must look back and know there's tremendous education happened that other people taught us over that time of walking together. I was ordained 
on January 17th, 1988, and the following day my father passed away. And you can, and dad was somewhat involved with the business as well, and that was all gone. And dad's gone, and I got this new assignment. And I'll learn such a powerful lesson from the Weaverland Conference ministers. And I would have left that conference or left, yeah, left that fellowship. But those men, over that time, they realized what took place the day before. And them coming alongside and putting their arms around and encouraging a young man that didn't know if life could go on because of what happened. One of these, in fact, a few men. So there's something that your dad always taught us. And I didn't necessarily recall this setting, but he would often remark that a young man being ordained, he said, Dad would make this phrase, that God doesn't need a great person, but he needs a person just to tell of his greatness, and that you can do. You can't imagine the breath of fresh air that was, that I could go on, because really that's what I was doing. Not, I didn't have a lot to present. I had God's greatness to present. And I take that, young men, wherever you are, we need elders. Our lesson was some of that. And so I encourage us. It was July 4th in 2003. My mother passed away at age 91 years old. And I still remember all the people that rallied around. And I'll tell you, that's not how it is in the world around us. It was at a funeral, a number of community funerals. And I well-known people. And I think, oh, it's a funeral. And you get there. There's a number of them I had was in charge of the funeral. And there was a handful of people there. And the heart says, where? Where are all his friends? Where are all the people? And they're alone. Almost fell alone. Had that service. And my friends, my brothers and sisters, let's never let go of what we have. Let's walk alongside at those times. Put your arms around those people and tell them that you care. Tell them that you love them. And by the way, maybe we ought to start right at home and do that. Men, while we have our wives, we can take them in our strong arms and tell them we love them. And our children and tell them we love them and encourage them. Lord's been leading me to speak on family tonight because it's so treasured, so beautiful, so strong. The word edify has a, a extended meaning, more an architect which uh, designs and forms and formulates. Sometimes we think edifying, well, just in passing, since I was here, I want to mention that. And that's okay. But it's also okay to say, you know, I realized what happened. I just drove over tonight. And all I tell you, And share your heart and put your arms of love around us. One of our more recent hardships that we went through, there was three neighbors came the evening of the occasion. 
They were from a different persuasion of church. But I still feel those arms. Instead of the waves to the neighbors of high, it was in arms of love. And I, I, God's teaching us to be a person that edifies. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1, 2 and 4, we'll return to that necessarily, is saying that the beauty of our experience, what we experience from God, his love and his care, we in turn share this way. And isn't that true? Because we experience this love and we experience his arms of repent, uh, our, our uh, uh, forgiveness and leading us the right way, we ought to just automatically be on this level as well. That that of rest. And edify. missing my notes to the next two points. And that is to be in the fear of God. And the fear of God is one that is so real and so strong for us today. The fear of God is that of reverence and humbleness under a mighty hand of God. There we are. Sorry. The uh, God is the creator, uh, and the fear of God is acknowledging who he is. We can turn to Romans 1 for a moment. Romans 1 is a reminder of what happens when we don't have that reverence and fear and respect to God. Romans 1, 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful, but became vain in their own imaginations and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And changing the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made with corruptible man. And the birds and the four-footed beasts and the creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up into uncleanliness through all their lusts. And that their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie that worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. And it goes on, but it gives a picture of where we are today. But my call is for us today is to be able to have God in his rightful place, 
and His holiness. And the scripture that uh, Manny read there, or we read together, was Isaiah 50, uh, Isaiah 6. Is that a realizing the holiness of God? And we need to do that. And I just want to encourage you how to use that in everyday life. Everyday life, we meet people on every hand, and uh, they have a lot to say these days. Uh, a lot of uh, ill about all that's happening, and all the people that are around and happening. And I just want to encourage you to be a person that develops in your mind a, a phrase or a comment to give back about the great greatness of God. And I think it's a powerful setting of witness and being around the agricultural uh, field and that <laughs> there's so much in God's kingdom, in the nature kingdom, that is of great remarks we can make about God's greatness. Just right now, as you look out across the peach orchard and the apple orchards, there's a bunch of barren sticks, but there is life there. But just imagine, out of that wood and sticks and twigs, there's going to be a beautiful fruit. Just mature. Talking about God's greatness. Just out of, out of, just out of the wood. And God has designed, and I just encourage you, whatever you're involved with, uh, maybe it's the sunrise and sunset that you remark about. Just amazing this morning as I saw God's painting uh, of His of His handiwork, and uh, just call to that. There's also. Uh, things that we can do. I remember as a young uh, married boy, a man, uh, we were um, started attending church uh, where we did, and, and um, Richard Hurst, a dear friend of mine, a little bit older, he was teaching. And he referred to this setting that his grandfather and my great-grandfather, his great-grandfather, was uh, Frank Hurst. And he says that he can never lose a picture in his mind that when they were out and there was a rainbow, that old Frank would take his hat off and the duration of the rainbow, he said he don't know that he remembers what, or if he said anything, but the duration of the rainbow, he stood with his hat removed in reverence and respect. And it's, you know, maybe you don't wear a hat, so there's other things that we can do. One that's uh, just noticed recently as uh, a funeral and uh, that's a time of reverence and a time of holiness, uh, the long possession. And uh, there was a number of places where there was larger trucks that pulled off. They could have kept on going, but they pulled off and, and stopped. And when our world is troubled with death and weighted down with death, the world so cruelly moves on. And just to do your part and stop and respect and realize that God is calling home and reminding us there's eternity there. The uh, fourth area we want to look at is that of the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The comfort of the Holy Spirit is one that we only experience when we settle up. The repentance time. If we find ourselves in a place we're not sure have somebody help us to know for sure without a shadow of a doubt that we settled up and find the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Uh, John uh, reminds us the setting of the Holy Spirit. John 16, 
verse uh, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. O sin, because they believed, of sin, because they believed not in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and ye see me no more. And uh, the uh, setting of the, the comfort of coming in verse 13. Howbeit then he, the spirit of truth, is come, and he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall, you shall hear, that shall be he speak. He will show you things to come. I just want to encourage you with the Holy Spirit. Will, uh, we have this modern twist and a, a thing that God is giving a new revelation to you. And this is a wonderful thing that God is showing you. And uh, we watch people move away from the word of God. And they're having this wonderful revelation from God. And it's a lie from the devil. Because he cannot, the Holy Spirit cannot, he will not, and never will contradict himself in the word of God. So hold fast. And what you do with those proclamations that get made, I don't know, settings, each setting is different, but without a shadow of a doubt, that will be heresy if it's not in line with the word of God. Psalm 73 is Asaph. He was there in the setting where he was wandering away from God and troubled, and then in a few verses there, he overdoses with self-pity. And then he said, until I went in the sanctuary of God. My call is for you and I that we find ourselves in a sanctuary of God. Whether it's our quiet time reading, whether it's our quiet time in prayer, whatever it might be, but let's find ourselves in the sanctuary of God. And in the sanctuary of God, we won't find misleading because we will be in his word as well. And there will be safety and there will be comfort there. The Holy Spirit... In Psalm 73, it talks about some of the beauty of the love and relationship with Jesus Christ and the peace and comfort that is there. Galatians 5.22 reminds us of the characteristics of the comfort. The Holy Spirit gives us those kind of characteristics. And those kind of characteristics is those that we can take with us, live them, and turn heads, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Sometimes when people respond to something about uh, good things that are happening, we in our humbleness and our uh, try to backpedal, oh, well, you know, it's, 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 it's. at that point is a point to talk about God's goodness to you and talk about it's because of him. We do it in, in business and in industry. Uh, God has blessed us in many ways. And people, man, it's just amazing. And, and we, we uh, at that point, don't backpedal. Only take the position that, well, God has blessed me in a way that I never imagined. He blessed me with a good family supporting us and whatever, whatever those words. Get buzzwords ready for those times. So the Holy Spirit is our comforter at all times. Then our fifth point is that of multiplying. And that is being a mission church. 
We refer to it sometimes in outreach work, and we've, we were there at Faith working on a, starting another work in uh, the Mission Church. Well, I refute that. I think we better all be a Mission Church. We better be a light where we are. And uh, we are a light because of what God has done for us. Our message to the lost is John 14. Just a few weeks back, had a uh, message or had the funeral of Irene uh, Wenzel, a community lady there, knew for many years. And uh, John 14, 1 to 6, makes a beautiful message. We don't talk about the lost uh, being person. We don't know that. We leave that in the hands of God. But that book is closed. But ours is just another chapter. And those people will know that John 14 makes a great invitation. And the community actually looks for us to walk with them and walk alongside. There's a lot of times people that we work with are industry, they're busy and don't have time to really talk about scripture things. And let me show you, there's going to come a time that they will get older. And they're going to be in a hospital. They're going to be laid up. It's that time. Is what they have open ears. So, an old friend of mine many years ago, he was uh, Lamar Habberger. He was a tough guy, uh, no reflection in truck driving, but that was his work. But he's also with the motorcycle group, and, and he was a good friend of mine. But he, he never had time to talk more than about his good things that he had. I got word that Lamar took ill and was in the hospital with cancer. Uh, I need to go. I need to go see Lamar. I was kind of sure, yeah, I didn't have a question. But I still remember that evening I went to go see Lamar. I walked down the hall. I knew it was turning right. As I turned right up the area where it's going to be, there was a whole group of men in the hall, rough motorcycle guys. Uh, I really wanted to go home. But I knew I didn't have a choice. I, I knew. I went up and made my way through and went over to Lamar and talked with him. And I told him I was sorry to hear about what and talked a little while. My condolence and his turning to leave. I didn't do what I normally do, but I turned to leave. And he called me back. He said, Earl, won't you have prayer? And that's what you always do before you leave the bedside. I was not there that moment, but he called me back. And I, was, I think, so I made the proclamation. I said, well, Lamar is at a place, and talked a little bit about his setting. And uh, we, Lamar is asking, let's pray to God. So let's pray. And the hats came off. And I was never at a prayer meeting like that before. It was, I don't know where that is. The heart's always reached. It doesn't really matter, but it matters that God's word went on and was in touch. And I call us to be that person that lives what we know and share it with those that we know. Even when it feels a little odd. In Isaiah scripture it says, send me. And the one we didn't read, I should have added that nine, is go and tell. And that's the call and multiply and uh, one area that we multiply 
is that of our own families, our own children. I'd like to talk about that tonight. Let's kneel for prayer.